Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast, where we learn these small things and small changes we can make that produce big results in the future. And I have the privilege of, you know, meeting so many leaders throughout the world and sit down one-on-one, breakfast, coffee, whatever, and learn all these leadership principles. I'm inviting you in today because we are having this talk with my friends, Barry Whistler. You were on before and did a great job sharing your leadership story. Today, we want to really dig into leadership principles. Welcome back, Barry. Okay. Yeah, it's great to be back. Right. Barry and I grew up in the same county, really only a few miles apart. Amazing. Here in our county, I know, you know, we're in dozens of nations, and you're listening from dozens of nations. Uh, Here in our county, in Pennsylvania, Lancaster County, there are some major movements started back about 40, 50 years ago, and now they're global. And of course, you lead Harvest International. That's one of those global movements. You've pastored for years. I did, uh, I've led for years, Dove International, and Mm -hmm. there's many, many others. So, Barry, we want to talk today about some key leadership things you've learned over the years. And we collaborated in a book called Straight Talk to Leaders. And you've written other books. You've written Healthy Leadership Teams, The Harvest is Ripe. Um, but we collaborated together with our friend Sam Smucker and Lester Zimmerman. And you, you had some exceptional, I thought, insights on leadership from this book. So I want to ask you some questions, some pointed questions. You can help us understand just some basic truths, things you learned that help others in leadership. Let's start okay. with teamwork, all right? Mm-hmm. Why are we better as a team? Talk to me about teamwork. Well, none of us are the full package. We okay. have different gifts, different skills, abilities, experiences. So I think there's safety, Proverbs tells us, in True. Count, abundance of counselors. So I don't think you need a big team, but I think you need more than one. And sometimes ministry is approached as a solo sport right or not a sport but it's about one person and i think it's safer and better to do it as a group you still need a leader still need a visionary and someone to uh, sort of lead the way to decisions and so on but uh, i've seen it over and over when you have people of different skills and can lean on them in their sweet spot Mm -hmm. and um and the assumption is they're different than you is that correct exactly In in fact i think i think as much as you can it's Good to build a team intentionally that pulls in people that are different. Okay. Very, very helpful. If possible. Talk talk to us about, we know there's functional teams, there's dysfunctional teams. Talk to us about a functional team. What does a healthy functional team look like? Yeah, well, you know, I first, uh, I don't know, it was 15 years of ministry. We had a plurality and it did work. And yet, um, I'll just say for myself, there's, I I, I was never... um, completely honest sometimes in discussions. I always felt like we should, as Christians, we're supposed to get along and we're supposed to have unity. And so I wouldn't really always be honest with opinions. Some of it might be my personality, but um, it also created situations that when there were discussions among the team, you felt obliged to sort of honor each other and humor each other in our ideas. And so I, I would just, I, I had 
disagreements and things that penned up over years. And eventually I just realized I needed to start being honest. So I think that's part of my culture, maybe our culture sure, in our region. In this county, we have that culture. Yeah. Well, yeah, sort of a peace at all costs. Right. And I, 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 you know, we're supposed to maintain uh, unity and peace. Right. So that's important. But I think, I think a group of leaders on a team can have uh, very honest, even um, disagreeing discussions and still end up coming together on a decision that everybody can buy into. Sure. So you mentioned plurality. Talk about that. That You said you had a plurality. I know you believe uh, in a team of leaders. So yeah. talk about what's healthy plurality, what's unhealthy plurality. Well, it implies more than one, for starters. Second right. thing is every time in Scripture where these different gifts or offices are mentioned, almost exclusively it's in the plural, if yes. you look at the words. That's I mean, right. I think pastor, some of the words were used of Jesus singular. It's interesting, but everywhere right. else, sure. it was applied plural. And elders, um, I mean, we have a lot of emphasis on a senior pastor that we usually call. And I think they had them in the Bible, but you, you had, you, you, there were also elders. Right. It was always plural, apostles. Team leadership. Yeah, and I think the the gifts of bishop and apostle you know, might be seen as uh, someone with authority that, that does it alone, and yet even in Scripture they do things together and discuss. Yeah. So, so we need found, each other. You found it's plurality, but always with a leader. Is that correct? Plurality with a leader, and plurality would also imply different kinds of giftings okay. and, uh, and skills. Okay. So to be functional, let's talk about that. To be yeah. functional, I know you talk about having a clear team meeting protocol. What does that mean? Yeah, well, I think I think it begins with a commitment to being honest. I mean, you accept the charge of governance in an organization, and that means that when there's decisions to be made, you should listen to everybody else on the team, but you should also be able to be honest, and Good. there should be a freedom to disagree. But you need a way to get to a decision. So... Um, so what, see, what's that look like? What's that protocol look well, like? Well, you know, you can see it as a team of counselors, and then one guy makes the decision, and we see that in movies and stuff. But for me, it's actually been a lot more driving toward consensus right. with a leader facilitating that. Sometimes a leader has to make the call. But um, I would just, you know, wrestle with topics and the decision with honesty I've found that usually if you do that, and you, you know you have a group that's committed to not walking away from the table, not being angry, not treating, not mistreating each other. Right. So if there's disagreement, they just they speak the truth, but in love, as the Bible says. But if that commitment is there, I believe at some point God will begin to bring the, the differences together, and we've found that a decision will gel at some point. Sometimes I know we have one one elder that's notorious through the years for coming up with a very simple word of wisdom and uh it's simple but yet it just seems to tie the pieces together something will click and everybody will say okay i'm in wow and um that can be in a moment or it could happen over some time but um i think the protocol that it's in the book um i got some of it by discussion with alan vincent mm -hmm. i'm sure you had the same i have we had a we had sort of a meltdown of our leadership team, and then Alan said, "You know what? Why don't I let you help rebuild the team, and then introduce uh, a model for decision making that may help you?" And what does that look like? 
The model? Yeah. What's that look like? Um, well, he, he, the, before we ordained the new elders, he had a meeting at a hotel, and I think he read us all the riot act and told us <laughs> how to behave and act and give our opinions. But it involves uh, the need to listen. It involves honesty. Um, willingness to buy in on what, uh, what God's saying and what he says through the group. I think there needs to be an openness to the gifts of the Spirit. Because some, you know, there's a lot of um, similarities between a, an organizational board and right. the corporate world right. and a church board right. as its business. And yet there needs to be an openness to hear the Spirit and to see right. what God is saying and doing. Even the agenda, um, all those things, God, we need to give Him room. Right. Um, I think the protocol involves confidentiality if mm -hmm. there is disagreement. You know, you can't have a group that's discussing something and disagreeing and then the meeting's adjourned and the, the discussion's going to be continued. And they go out and tell other people what right. the discussion is. And right. after a while, you have the whole church or organization embroiled in something that could be resolved and exactly. not spill out. So confidentiality, commitment to the long, sometimes long process of sure. coming at a decision and not becoming angry. Sometimes things just need time to it's true. percolate. And yeah. Now, I've had leaders ask me this often. They've said, uh, we have a leadership team and we're trying to make a decision. We're split down the middle. What do we do? Right. We, you know, half and half. What, are, what do we do? How do we make a decision? What would you tell them? Well, I, you know, unless there, there's sometimes there are time sensitivities. And at that point... You might have to, the leader may have to listen right. to everybody and then just say as you know as James did in scriptures this is what I think yep. we should do. Mm -hmm. And I, that happened with me one time we had a decision and the elders actually came to me and said you know you know our positions and we don't agree. Actually we're not sure we'll ever agree and we are we want you to make the decision. Yeah. And it was time sensitive. Yeah. Uh, it had to do with some a money issue and uh, so I went I went off with Alan to India praying for, uh, praying a little bit harder about right. the decision because right. I came back with a clear answer. Usually our decisions are made other ways, um, but I would say you need to discuss it. You need to hear each other. If need be, get someone from the outside's perspective. Right. I mean, we have built into our governance, as I think you do as well, some we outside do. advisors we that do. are objective. Mm -hmm. And you might not need them every day, but there might be a day when right. you need them significantly and right. at that point you call them up and say listen we are at a standstill and we need someone to mm -hmm. ask us questions and sure. advise us so that, that yeah. would be important that's so good and i've often said you know and i'm sure you agree that to have those outside that as a court of appeals outside advisors is so powerful so important right and you may not ever need them but hopefully if you, you don't if you, if you, hopefully not right but if you don't have them i'm sure sometime down the road you probably will wish you had them yeah and I, I agree. And I think investing in relationships among the team is important. But I think investing in relationships with your advisors or whatever yes. you call them, overseers, yeah. that's important. Because I've seen sometimes it's, it's a name on a paper, push comes to shove, you need it. And then there's no agreement that they even will listen on the advisors. Right. So there needs right. to be trust built and friendship and an ongoing saying, yes, we will honor Mm -hmm. 
and invite this person yes. into the process. Yeah. You talk in, in the book, you talk about straight talk to leaders. You talk about the presence of God and the importance of the presence of God in leadership and the importance of the presence of God in meetings and making room for God. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I, I think God gave us brains and he gave us abilities and that's important, but um, it is his church. Right. And so I think we should involve him in our decisions. Um, I think it begins with the prayer life of the leader mm -hmm. and the leaders together. Mm -hmm. And even right now, our elders are spending um, an hour of prayer each elders meeting. We meet only once a month and we take a whole hour to pray that's together, good. which seems like a lot when you have a docket of items that's just longer than you're going to get done that night. Mm -hmm. But it's important. I've it seen is. God speak during prayer. I agree. So listening to God, I think the prophetic gift, word of wisdom and knowledge uh, is important. And I think just constantly acknowledging our need for God and inviting him or the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit is the one that is actually doing most of what That's God correct. does on the earth. He, yeah. it's, it's our age. Yeah. You know, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and uh, the Holy Spirit is here. Yeah. So an openness to that. Um, well, um, I remember uh, last time we were together, and I talked about how that I feel like you have found this balance in God of the natural, the supernatural, being supernaturally natural, being naturally supernatural. You know, uh, so it's using your brain, as you said. Yes, we make wise decisions. We read leadership books, but right. we need God desperately. And this is His. This is His deal, right. and we need to spend time with Him, listen to Him, yeah. move in the supernatural, hear words of wisdom, words of knowledge. That, and that makes. All the difference in the world so yeah. it's this co-laboring with the lord you know as the scripture says yeah i think you know we're, we we want to build churches of the word and the spirit and uh, the subjective and the objective and especially right now i mean times are changing are. and planning as you know yeah. in this atmosphere is very hard so you can't always assume that the next year will be like the last that's day. correct and you almost really have to go to God and say, what is important to you right now? What mm -hmm. do we do? How do we need to shift or change? And it's tempting to listen to a bunch of fad voices and stuff, but I think we should ask God to. Mm -hmm. Let's go to another subject. You've, you've mentioned clearly in the book uh, that about the importance of understanding succession and to really be successful there needs to be excessor. Yeah. And of course, this is really real for me. Speak to me because I'm in the midst of this right now. The yeah. whole Dove Global Movement, knowing a couple years down the road, want to turn the leadership over to someone else to take yeah. my place, of some other role, grandfather role, whatever that looks like, advisor role, whatever. Uh, talk about that in yeah. local churches. And when do you start thinking about that? Or movements, I mean, or ministries. Talk, what have you learned about succession that's been healthy? Well, I think every leader needs to be thinking about succession all the time. And you've done it already right. uh, before. You have another one coming up, and I will too, with uh, HarvestNet International. I think the earlier you can think about it and the earlier you become serious about it, the better. Uh, the better it is. Um, again, you want to invite God into that, but it does require some thought of what kind of person should be the next person. because. Right. Every phase of an organization requires a different kind of person. That's Sometimes. good. That's good. You and I have both been pioneers. Yeah. So the next persons who take right. our place may not be pioneers per se. That's true. I mean, I'd say in my transition from 
the pastor and Kevin Eshelman being yes. my successor. Kevin's gift mix is very different than mine. Right. But I, f- I could feel that there were things that the church needed at our size and growth that Kevin would do better at. Sure. I love starting things. I like the whole prophetic part of hearing and launching. But then long-term growth, um, someone else does better. Sure. So you have to think about what kind of person it should be. Find them. Um, give them work. Uh, incorporate them. Bring them along so everybody else can see yes. what they're doing. Yes. And then lead the, the team in the church, in this case, has to accept the person. I've seen some appointments that might have been right, but maybe weren't handled in a way that the people or the rest of the team could actually understand or accept right. it, the reasoning. So I think there's some time needs to happen. I know you told me one time, and I like this, that you had a short-term plan. Yeah. I think you called it your bread truck plan if you're hit by a bread truck. <laughs> hit by a bread truck. And <laughs> so we I've still used, have that plan. It's in writing. I've, I've used that often. Everybody laughs, but everybody knows that it's true because yeah. we don't know what today right. will bring or tomorrow. And we and still have that in place today. We ha- Good. I, I think every organization of significant size anyway really needs something sure. in writing so the leaders know mm-hmm. what's been agreed on to do. Yeah. And then the long-term plan of finding the ideal successor that does what you do or does it in a different way that's needed. Yeah, and that can be the same person. Often it's not. Often it's a different person. No, that's it, exactly but, right. And I think that's important to understand. That's not an assumption that the, that the bread truck person, to use that analogy, right. you know, that that person should be the long-term leader. Maybe, maybe not. Usually, you know, usually often not. in an emergency, you'll find someone that is... Um, Kind of handle the transition and prepare the organization Correct. for the next. Person. And they're good at crisis. They're good at jumping in when right. when there's a you know when there's a real need for that. Yep. Uh, so I, I I read once that uh, a leader of an organization, whether it's business or ministry or church or whatever, that one of the first things they should do when they get into a new role is start thinking about their successor. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean they choose them, but they're thinking about that. How will I turn this over to someone else in the future? I love what you said about it being that person having a different gift mix. And I think it's often the case. They are different than we are. It is. We're looking for someone exactly like us. Yeah. Some attributes are the same. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's best that a successor for a church or, you know, Christian organization come from within? Or is it, you know, or do you do a headhunt and find somebody in some other part of the country or somebody from another ministry that can come in and fill that role? Well, I think it can be either. I would always, in most cases, begin with them because someone who's been with the organization or the church in this case understands the DNA, the history, knows the people and how things have worked. Maybe a good change leader, but at least has the basis of those things where someone from the outside doesn't know that where, is true. where the traps will be. Yeah. But sometimes you can't find that person. Right. Nothing wrong with going outside, That's but right. again, you want to... You want to be sure and check out DNA and then also make sure that they're on board and in a way that they understand the DNA and the history. Not that they're bound by it, but they at right. least have a starting right. point. Um, yeah. You know, going back to something you said earlier, I think it was Steve Covey that said, begin with the end in mind. That's true. So I think even someone serving in a leadership position in a local church, they might lead a, a team of greeters mm-hmm. or anything, a kitchen. Yeah. They should always be training others, um, at least to multiply themselves and other people that can do what they do. That's so good. But with an eye that they may need an assistant, they may not be there. 
and they need to have someone else to step in. So it should be there. Leaders should think that way all the time. That's so good. I hope everybody caught that. Uh, key leadership principle is always train people to take our place, always train yeah. people to do what we do. Even if we're going to be there for a longer season, yeah. still train them to do that. And that's, that's, part of, that's part of being a really good, healthy leader. It is. And even for multiplication, even if it's not in-house, you say, well, we have a lot of leaders. But the point is, if you want to multiply, you need leaders. Yep. Yep. I had a couple situations where I was trying to find pastors to take churches that needed a pastor. And I had a little bit of a difficult time. I see that shifting now. Uh, I think there's more people interested sure. in that than there would have been 10 years ago. But it awakened me to the fact that if we want to plant churches or even um, have healthy successions of pastors that need to step down because of their age or something, we need to train and raise up leaders. And it's just better to have too many and then send That's them really out. That's true, yeah. Yeah, and real key is getting people involved who are younger on leadership teams. Exactly. When I get into churches and I see they have younger elders, they have right. younger staff, younger yep. leaders, it makes all the difference in the world because they also draw many others from their own demographic, but they're being trained for future leadership. Yeah. And leadership is based on trust. So people trust them because it they is. know them, they share the values, the vision of that local house, that local church, that local ministry movement, business, whatever. Yeah. I think that's also really important. Plus, it takes a few years for a new team member to understand the history, to right. understand decision-making and the different things. I remember a couple of years ago, um, most of our elders were roughly the same age, some older than me, a couple just years younger, but we didn't have many younger elders and we wanted to expand the elders team. We purposefully selected, um, I think the young men we put on were probably 30 years old. Okay. And I remember it being quite a shocker. People would say, well, there's a lot of really qualified leaders in the church that would be really good, wise elders, you know, the emphasis on the word right, elder. Right, right. And I said, well, you know what, you're right. But I said, at some point, we need, we will need elders that were uh, have experience starting when they were younger. That's true. So we're going to put them on the team, and it's worked out really well in that they've had a few years to... Um, just to learn. Sure. It's not that they needed to learn a lot, but just the experience that, yeah. uh, as we've had, we lost an elder last year through death, and there's a couple that will retire the next couple of years, and the younger men will be able to keep the trajectory sure. as it was. Yeah. You know, I learned a, I learned a term about two years ago from my friend, Dr. Peter Bunton. You've met yeah. Dr. Peter yeah, Bunton. Yeah, I know Peter. He's a great guy. He is. He's written a whole thesis on succession of leaders of movements. And right. he has a term he came up with in, uh, about two years ago, he told me. He's called tacit knowledge. I said, what is that? And you tacit. may know. I didn't know. He said, tacit knowledge is those things that founders or those things that leaders who've yeah. been there for years know right. that nobody else knows. They think everybody else knows, but they do not. Yeah. You know, so Peter sat with me and with Laverne, my wife, and uh, again and again and again, we got all these questions from our international leadership team to ask us. And we, just, we have pages and documents and pages and pages of tacit knowledge, things that we're aware of right. that we think everybody knows, but they don't. That's a very good thing you did there. Yeah. He, that's great. Yeah. And uh, and he's talked about that. I had him on a podcast and he, we, we, we've talked about that. Uh, talk to me, changing subjects. You talk in the book about the failure of nerve. What is that? Well, there's a book by that title that uh -huh. I read. I, I don't know the author, but it's essentially where a leader needs to do something that may be, that's needed immediately or it's going to be unpopular. Okay. Or uh, that requires boldness and um, 
yeah, it requires boldness on his or her part, but they just check it out and, and fear, don't do it. And, um, you know, it might not be as critical for someone, you know, in the organization that's not on the top tier of leaders or the senior leader, but we, yeah. we need to be able to be bold to point to something that's wrong or to something that we right. need to do. And sometimes there's just decisions you have to make. You can get counsel, but uh, I think um, it requires some nerve to be able to do yes. things like that. Leaders need to, to do make the right things. Yeah. yeah, leaders need to make decisions at times that are not popular. Exactly. Yeah, and, and if we it, fail it to do that, later. It'll, yeah, it'll be a problem later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, this past year, the decisions that pastors needed to make oh, concerning the the pandemic, um, it was just incredible the positions that they were put in with people with differing true. opinions. True. You know, maybe all valid points, but you have to come down somewhere. And um, yeah. it requires leadership to just be decisive and say, this is what we're going to do. So times, again, leadership principle, leaders at times simply need to be decisive, even if it's not a popular thing to be yeah. decisive about. Uh, some other leadership principles. Talk to me. This is one of my favorites in, in the book that you've written. Uh, talk to me about the breakthrough pig. <laughs> I love that story. Well... Yeah, I should probably use more farm illustrations. Jesus certainly used plenty of them, but I grew up on the farm. Sure. We had cattle and pigs. I'll tell you the story about the pig and then the meaning, but yeah, we, we had a, a breeding herd and uh, the sows during their gestation time were put in a pasture for their own health, but with electric fence. It didn't hurt them, but it def definitely gave them discomfort. And most of them, <laughs> you know, when you put them in, they'll have to find the four boundaries by you know, trial and error, but once they've been, uh, they experienced the shock, they respect it and it's all over. Sure. So you hear some squealing for a couple of days and then it gets quiet and everybody's happy. Um, they will remember where it is to the point that you can turn the electricity off and they, they'll usually stay really? in. Um, one time we tried to move the line to move the pigs to another field and the line wasn't there but they wouldn't cross where it was they remembered well getting in shot. their heads it was still there yeah but we had this one pig that would get out uh three four or five times a day very frustrating um so my dad one time just said why don't you go see what she's doing because how does how does this happen and she basically would go near where the fence was they don't see well but near where she knew it was and put her head down usually she'd start squealing before she even charge the fence yeah. and she would just charge it. The wire would slide up over her back <laughs> and she was out. The breakthrough pig. Yep. She broke, I mean, we had, we had to sell her because uh, we couldn't control her. So how does that apply to leadership? This pig knew that this pig was willing to endure some temporary discomfort okay. to get to a good place. That's good. And I think what the enemy does to Christians, he can, you know, you hear, I'm going to learn to prophesy or I'm going to pray for the sick. And you do it, and it doesn't turn out the way you want. You feel awkward. You maybe feel like a failure, and so you say, that's not my gift. I'm not going to go there. Or a leader, uh, you know, you try something, and it doesn't turn out really well. It doesn't mean that you just drop the idea and give it right. up. So it's really a lesson about perseverance that's and good. about obedience and about... Um, you know, not letting the enemy fence you into where you are, because I think we all need to we need to expand our what we do in sure. time. And um, 
you know, the enemy can control us by the fear, and then we just stay within this comfortable area, the comfort zone. Sure. But we need to be willing to get outside. The verse I used in that story was that Jesus um, endured the cross for the joy yes. set before him. Yes. So he went through a lot of pain. The neighbors, correct. Leaders do go through pain. Yeah. They go through hard times that are difficult, that are confusing, and sometimes pay a price for what God, how God will use them. And it's important just not to quit. Exactly. I mean, I, I remember sometimes, even as an overseer, my job was to keep pastors from quitting on a Monday morning because they, you know, they felt yeah. like quitting often. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 this is, is okay. Par for the course. Yeah. <laughs> so the story of the pig is just... The breakthrough pig. Put so, your head down, go through it, uh, things will get better. So become a breakthrough pig. Yep. That's uh, what I like, insulted our church by telling them that. <laughs> I like that. Talk to us about Wiki Ministry. What's that mean? Well, I believe that teamwork can be applied not only to a local situation, but to the harvest. Okay. When I grew up, I was told that if every Christian did their part, we could, we could fulfill the Great Commission. So this is now... You know, 50 years after that, right. I'm not sure that we have gotten that much closer to globally uh, reaching the lost than what we were. Much, some, a lot of places, they're not even, in America, we're not even keeping up with birth rates. So I don't, I don't really believe that anymore. I, I think that it will require mass collaboration. And some of the biggest projects and things in the world in business and in government are massive collaborations uh, where True. people do their part, their piece. Yeah. So that's what Wiki, uh, Wikipedia is created by open source right. information. I know it has its mistakes, but it's incredible how fast that encyclopedia came together and how many people wrote pieces to it with, with a, a very small staff and with very little expense. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the business world has learned to collaborate. My passion for years has been that church leaders um, realize that to get the job done, we're going to need each other. You got the parable of Peter inviting his partners over to handle the big catch. Yeah, that's true. I'm of the persuasion. I could be wrong, but I'm a, I believe that we're going to see a massive harvest with a billion or more people coming uh, to Christ. I agree. And I think we could begin preparing for that now and preparing leaders, and there's a whole list of things we could do. But I also believe we just have to work together. Mm. And it shouldn't, again, it shouldn't matter who gets the credit or right, um, right. if we each, because it's not our harvest. It's it's not about us. That's uh, exactly right. Yeah. So we just, we have to work, learn to work together. And I think we each have our strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, and in whatever we do, we, we, we need to learn to lean mm. on each other. So, One of the things I like about our region is that that actually has been happening. It has been, yeah. A long time. So we learn from each other. We teach in each other's schools. We, we uh, do. do all kinds of things together. Yeah. If I could apply that, what I saw happening in Lancaster County, if I, could, if I could see that happening on an international scale, I would be thrilled. It seems almost impossible. Let's believe God to see that happen. Well, I, I, believe, yeah. I, I believe it's been on my heart for a decade, and I believe yeah. it is possible, and I believe that we could work together it's in church planting and mm-hmm. even nations and cultures yeah. instead of being isolated and pointing the right. finger. I think mm-hmm. if we could find yeah. a way to work together, we'd get it. We'd get the job done. Yeah. My son-in-law is in business, and he taught me a, a new word a couple months ago. The word mm. is coopetition. 
cooperation. Oh, interesting. Cooperation. He, he said in the business world, they've learned that, again, he's in business, they've learned that people who would be competitors, yeah. you know, often pastors feel that way, right? people in their flock going from one church to another, people who could be competitors cooperating together and getting a lot more, and everyone being blessed, everyone being yeah. helped, everyone prospering yeah. by working together. So cooperation, so it's kind of like- yeah, I like that. I like that too. It's kind of like your wiki ministry. It's kind of the, the, the same deal. Well, leaders are, we have a basic- Drive, right, and and hunger, and um, there is a there is a, a competitive side to us that is okay. It motivates right. us, and in business, we know that's why we have entrepreneurs and things sure. like that. So it's not all bad. It's just that I think the task of world evangelization is so great, and I think I mentioned this in the book. But you know, in this area, they work with horses, right. Uh, I think one horse can pull about 8,000, so you'd think two would pull 16, right. but they actually can pull 24,000. That's amazing. And then if you add the third one, it just jumps again exponentially. Sure. And if you have three together that were actually trained to do it as a team rather than just hitched, they actually can go even higher. Mm -hmm. So there has, to, there has to be an exponential increase in our effectiveness in mission yeah. to get the job yeah. done. I love your heart and, and uh, just just love being in the same area with you and serving together in these areas and finding ways to do this. There's a lot more to come. I, I one, agree. Yeah, one more question for you. Sure. You talk a lot about vision. You're a visionary leader. Talk mm -hmm. to me yet about a few vision destroyers. What are some mm -hmm. things people should be aware of that could destroy vision or hinder vision? Yeah, that's a good question because we do deal with setbacks or we deal with discouragement. We do. The vision gets destroyed and the, the vision can drift if we have too much of that. You have to buy the book to get the whole list. I'll try to think of a couple. <laughs> Is that I know, book? I mean, a lot of it comes out of um, the story of Nehemiah. I mean, that what an incredible leader. Yeah, yeah. To complete that job under True. Um, everything from people that didn't trust or believe it's possible yeah. And discouraged. I mean, uh, what if Noah didn't think that building an ark was True. possible? Or there's all kinds of yeah. uh, stories in the Bible of people that believed big visions and just persevered under yeah. criticism. Yeah. There is um, all kinds of distractions. Oh, fear, you know, I think fear. Fear is a huge one, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. I know you mentioned it in the book that you highlight Caleb, because Caleb said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Right. And the 10 of them were saying, no way, there's no way we can do this thing because of fear. Yeah, well, and in that case, the, you know, was it eight, or the, the, the ones that said we can't do it, they are vision destroyers. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, we want to hear people's opinions, uh, but at the same time, if they don't really see the vision or if they don't have faith, yeah, we have to, a leader has to be careful that we don't listen to the wrong voices. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Barry, it's so good to have you with me today. Any last minute thoughts you have on leadership for any younger leaders or any other leaders saying, I want to pick something else up today that's going to, if I can apply that, that'll help me in my life. Anything else you can think of today before we close out this episode? Um, I just wanted to give you a chance at one last thing. If there's anything, if there's nothing, that's fine. Well, I, th I think we need each other. Yeah. I think this last two years has taught yes. us that we need each other. So I would tell young leaders that you might have an incredible vision and you might be right, but you still need friends. Yeah. Have a community of peers. Yes. 
you know, the 222 of 2 Timothy 2 2, right. where you have two people that you disciple mm-hmm. at all times that you give yourself to, and then two people where you are your peers. Mm-hmm. I'm a verbal processor, so I need people to just sure. talk to sometimes, and sure. it gets clearer. And then also have a couple people that advise you that yeah. are, you know, your that have been there before you, maybe a f- yeah. spiritual father or a coach mm-hmm. of some sort. I've heard someone say, Ray, that it's, there's the three relationships we need for everyone, but especially leaders, mm-hmm. would be Paul relationships, Barnabas relationships, and Timothy relationships. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So Very Paul, good. those over us in the Lord, those are our advisors. Right. Barnabas are friends or peers. Encouragers. People doing what we do encourage yeah. us. And then those that we're pouring our lives into and mentoring you know, for the yeah. next generation. That's very good. I like that. Yeah. I'll preach that, Larry. You may. You may. <laughs> and you don't have to say you got it from me. You got it from God. That's great. <laughs> and so, Barry, thank you for joining us today. Again, I'm going to encourage anyone to pick up any of Barry's books. Barry's got some amazing, amazing books. Healthy Leadership Teams, Practical Health for Church and Ministry Leadership, The Harvest is Ripe which is a farmer's view. You keep talking about how you were a farmer and I was a chicken farmer and you mm-hmm. were a pig farmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> farmer's view of global global harvest. Then the book we wrote together along with our friends Sam Smucker and Lester Zimmerman, Straight Talk to Leaders, What We Wish We Had Known When We Started. I remember when you and I and the other two guys met for the first time to do this book and uh, we we talked about that, what it could look like and I remember Sam said, I, I would buy a book like that. So this is the yeah. right thing to write. You know, it's a, It was a great idea. Really probably been translated yeah. in various languages all over the world already straight talk to leaders and you can get all the information about that or, or any of the ministries that barry and get in contact with barry all that information is on the show notes for harvest international african community church uh gateway house of prayer and all the various things that you have your hands in that god's led you to do so thank you for joining me today uh barry it was a thank you. real joy and, and again i just say it's just been such a joy to walk together with you and many others in our region we are blessed that we live in a region yeah. where leaders really do care for each other. They really don't want to just build their own thing. We really want to see the kingdom grow. And we right. have this heart for world evangelization. Yep. This heart for seeing the kingdom of God, you know, be built around the world. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today for the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. Again, where we can learn these little things, just these small changes. We can make them make major changes, major results in our lives. God bless you and look forward to being with you again very, very soon. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.